came on. Mm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, filling in for Mon while she's away in Germany. And of course, Mon is over in there and over there in Germany at the moment at midnight, mm-hmm. listening to the show on the TuneIn app. Oh, faithful! That's that's which, what which we everybody, like to hear. which everybody should be using. Everybody should be using the TuneIn app, particularly uh, those who get the delayed broadcast. So if it is not Tuesday, the 18th of September right now, you're listening to the delayed broadcast. And by using the TuneIn app, of course, you get to listen to the live broadcast. You get a perfect <laughs> signal wherever you go, anywhere in the world. And she uh, writes in to say that even uh, that in Germany, um, when she dials into Faith FM in the TuneIn app, she's getting, she's getting advertising in German. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But she does, she does say this. You see, it works a little bit like this. She was sending me messages all the way through the show about some things that she needed done at her house, like, Lyle, can you please do this? Can you please do that? Can you please do the other? And I've been studiously ignoring them because we have radio to do. <laughs> uh, but then she sends this one. Please tell the listeners I said good day that I'm thinking of them and that I also have a spare German Bible, and if someone wants it, they can call in and claim it, and I'm happy to bring it back as a souvenir from Germany for them. So there you go. If you would like a German Bible, 1-800-324-843 is our number and Mon will send you her spare German Bible. So that's a that's a one-off giveaway that Dude, we have that, never had before. That's amazing, man. So it, it, Mon, Mon is really missing you guys um, a lot uh, while she's away in Germany. So it's nice to hear from Mon and, uh, of course, that... Um, Forced me to make a response, so now she knows that now she knows she, she, she knows, knows that, that I've seen the text and I can't get out of it if I don't go and find her uh, things for her. That um, oh, and she says she's going to bring back some strawberries. Oh, for our listeners, yeah. Seeing as we can't eat them at the moment yep. because some terrorist is putting needles in them. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that gets sorted out soon. Because like, like how well the strawberries are going to survive. The yeah, trip back. Uh, can you even bring strawberries into Australia from overseas? So. I don't think you can, man. Mon, when you get to the airport in Sydney, eat those strawberries before <laughs> you come through the gate. <laughs> Unless they can you? I wonder if you could bring dried strawberries back. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can bring dried fruit. It's, that's what they really look for: is the moisture. Is like in maybe, that maybe stuff. bring us some dried strawberries. Yeah, some dried fruit in general. Just hit up like in Dubai, for example. They have like in most airports, they have like massive bars and cafes that are full with like like a dried strawberry bra bar. So bar a dried <laughs> strawberry bar. So yeah, hit us up because um, we're keen. I've never seen a dried <laughs> strawberry bar in my life. Anyway. Dude, you need to go to Dubai more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's worried about the double L team. Yeah. <coughs> and of course, um, as I've said before on radio, LB comes before M. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clue for the quiz. What have we got there, Lawson? All right. Like I said, we're already, we're pretty advanced in our clues. And uh, this next one, I, um, 
I, yeah, let, let's just let's just read it. It's a who am I quiz, and our next clue is I walked on water. There's about two people in the Bible have done that. Yeah, and if you corroborate that with with our last clues, you know I was the main speaker at Pentecost. Um, you know I I was told you are a Jew, yet you live Whoa, like a Gentile. Wait, 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 wait. Main speaker at Pentecost and walking on water could be both those people. Ooh. Couldn't it now? I, I yes, it yes, could. It, it, could. Totally it could, totally could, it could, it could. So yeah, but the other two clues, no. Yeah, yeah, it can only <laughs> it can only be one person. So again, call us up on one 843 or text in oh four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you will get a prize. Okay, so I've got a, I've got a question for you, uh, Lawson. What's the question? Have you ever heard of anyone called Festus? Festus. Have well, you ever met somebody named Festus? No, because if someone had a name like Festus, and I, I'm hoping that none of our listeners do, but I assume that their parents don't like them very much. Because <laughs> that, that's a hectic name. It just sounds like Festy, man. Like, <laughs> well, the thing is that you know the whole um, concept of you know the whole the word the use of the word Festy is really only about 20 years old or less. Mm-hmm. And so there's every likelihood that you know people from other cultures and and yeah, uh, sure. parts of the world have gone. Yeah, there's a really nice name, but here in Australia, yeah, not so much. No, we're no, we're not about it here I in Australia. Have, I've never met somebody with this particular name, but we're going to read about somebody who has this name this morning. So let's go to the Book of Acts, chapter twenty-five. Acts chapter twenty-five and. <coughs> Um, yeah, we basically we got to uh, chapter 25 yesterday. If, if the listener, listeners remember, um, we ended the story yesterday with Paul um, continuing. Like they didn't execute Paul. They didn't kill Paul. Um, but Felix just sort of put Paul in prison and left him there. So the Bible actually says uh, to gain favor with the Jewish people, they just left Paul in prison. Um, and then there was the change over of governorship from Felix to um, Porcius Festus. And that's where we pick up the story of uh, Paul being in prison. And uh, Porcius Festus is now the governor of Jerusalem. There so, so there you go. Um, and we start in... 25 and verse 1, the Bible says, Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities. Caesarea. Caesarea, sorry. <laughs> I have no idea which one's the correct one. Well, okay, I'll just, I'll just go with what you say. <laughs> okay, again, three days after Festus arrives in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, uh, he left Jerusalem where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem, planning to ambush him and kill him on the way. Maybe it was those people that took that vow. Yeah, I think that's it. Man, that would be really skinny by now. That would <laughs> be struggling. How many How many years down the track? How much time down the track is this? This is like a couple years or something. Uh, yeah, after two years that's what I thought. went by, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. So, yeah, this is like two years <laughs> down the track. I always man. wonder what happened to those guys. <laughs> did they break their vow or did they starve to death? But anyway, they uh, they haven't given up. They haven't given up. Anyway, so continuing on, uh, but Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. Okay, so he's like, yeah, come down here. He sees through them. Um, 
uh, and, and you know, having seen through them, he uh, you know he's, he's not going to um, fall for their tricks. Mm. He's like, no, Paul is here. This is where I am, and you can come down here and bring your accusations and make a case if there is a case to be made. Of course, Felix, all this time in the last two years, he's been hanging out for a bribe. Yeah, there's no case against Paul. Yeah, that's been demonstrated. There's no witnesses. There's no case, and he's just simply left him locked up because he figured he might get some. There might be some. This is the kind of guy that Felix was. Yeah, Felix was a dodgy, dodgy character. It's really interesting that they're still trying this tactic to bring accusations against Paul because every time they've done so, it's failed. Like every single time they've tried to prove that Paul is some kind of evil guy, even they've even got Tertullus in, as we read in, in chapter 24, like the best lawyer mm-hmm. in all of Jerusalem to try and prove that Paul is guilty of some charge, yet they've failed again. Yeah. And they've failed again and they've failed again and they've failed again. Man, they're running out of ideas here <laughs> to try and get Paul. Somebody here in this court needs to come up with something new. Okay, so how does this, how does this story here reveal to us you know, the hatred, hatred that the hatred that preaching the truth can cause in those who don't want to believe it. Yeah, there's a verse in the Bible that says being kind to someone is like you know who hates you. It's like putting hot coals on their head. Is that correct, or am I or am I crazy? Anyway, I don't remember the reference, but it's kind of like that. It's you know because the the act of preaching is very much comes from the Holy Spirit and the, and the purpose of it is to teach us more about God and to have a character change in our life mm. and people who are resisting resisting that it it puts them at such odds you know when the God of the universe is calling out for them to make a change in their life and they don't want to it yeah it builds that hatred of like because it's it's a guilt thing mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. oh I know that I'm doing the wrong thing I know that I need to step up and I'm not good enough but you know. I don't want to. I don't want to give this. I don't want to give this to God. And so you build this hatred for the person that's sort of saying this message because it's like, ah, oh, man, they're making me feel guilty and terrible about myself all the time. So if I could just get rid of them, then I would be okay. And and that's exactly what's going on with here with Paul and the Jews. You know, all Paul is doing is preaching the resurrection and pe- preaching Christ and and being humble and being a godly servant, yet they're so convicted by it that they're, they're taking this route of like, oh, if we get rid of Paul, then we won't feel convicted anymore. And it's, it's gnarly. Um, it's crazy. And we'll be talking more about that after this. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, you think about it, you've got this new governor coming in. They have... You know, he's meeting with the Jewish leaders. You would think that they would have very high priorities that there would be on their mind. You know, a new road going here, a new building here, these improvements to the temple. <laughs> yeah. You know, things that things of real importance. You know, this is going to improve our economy. We need to, you know, better communication with Rome, whatever it might be. But the highest thing that's on their mind is, uh, oh, let's talk about Paul. Yeah, let's get rid of Paul, man. And so Festus, um, to his credit, he heads back to Caesarea. And as soon as he takes office, the first thing he does is call for Paul to come down and he convenes the court. This is a good thing. Paul has been locked up down there and says he hasn't been completely locked up. He's had a fair bit of freedom. He's able mm-hmm. to write letters. He's communicating all over the world uh, during this particular time. And, uh, and so as a result of that, you know, a lot of good work has been done that Paul may not have had time to do if he'd have been just mm. sort of out preaching and teaching in an itinerant manner as he had been before. 
But at the same time, yeah, he's been locked up there, and so uh, Fest is like, okay, we're going to deal with this, we're going to get it sorted. All right, what happens? Keep reading. Yeah, so the Bible says in Acts chapter 25 and verse 6, continues on, about eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea, and on the following day, he took his seat in court and ordered that Paul be brought in. This was obviously the highest, the absolute highest um, priority that had (laughs) been given him by the Jewish priests. Yeah. Send Paul to Jerusalem for a trial. Yeah. That's the top of their list. And so because it's the top of their list, it's the first thing he does after taking office. Dude. That that's like so that's so crazy. Like yeah. these guys are really hitting obsession levels of like getting oh, yeah. rid oh, of this absolutely. guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, and I it's have, yep. even while he's like he's been in chains for two years, yet you can still see like God is still working through him and they're feeling that work is happening and people are being converted because of Paul, so they're still on this like, Man, we just need to get rid of him because we need to we need to edify our 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 establishment and this, this guy's doing the wrong thing and and yeah, okay, so crazy. what's going to be interesting now as we read through this story is that we don't have an account of the Jewish leaders sending a uh, prosecutor. Mm-hmm. We do have an account of Paul answering the charges that are against him. And so it seems that the Jewish leaders didn't actually have anything new to add from last time. They didn't have any new evidence. They didn't have any new uh, witnesses to bring. They were simply a repeat, okay, this is what Tertullus said, this is the accusations that have been made, and rather than having a court case, just send him to Jerusalem and we'll take care of it up here. Yeah. You know, they have gone for the uh, let's try him in Jerusalem tactic because they know that if it goes to court in Caesarea without witnesses and without any new evidence, it's going to be thrown out. Yeah. Okay. All right, keep going. Yeah, so we read um, in verse 7, it says, When Paul arrived, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges, I am not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government, he said. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before, before me there? But Paul replied, No, this is the official Roman court. I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty of harming the Jews. If I have done anything worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has the right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Okay, so he pulls out the Caesar card. He pulls out the Roman citizen card. Okay, so you've got to understand what's going on here. Paul sees through the Jewish leaders. He knows that it is a death penalty for him if he goes to Jerusalem. Yeah. He knows that he will not survive that trip, that they are determined to destroy him at all costs. Nothing will be allowed to stand in the way of these people to kill him because there is no case that they can bring. They know Mm. that there's no case. Everybody knows that there's no case. So his options are when Festus, you know, Festus is he's brand new in the job mm. and he wants to win some points with the Jewish leaders. And so, you know, brand new in the job, wants to win some points here, wants to do the Jews a favour. Uh, the, the Roman governors at this time, you know, they were, they were pretty prone to corruption. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I might do this, you know, this would, this would give me some good favour with the Jews. I'll send him back to Jerusalem. He's like, okay, Paul, what about it? You know, you want to go up to Jerusalem and I will have the court case there. And Paul's like, well, what's the difference there or here? 
You know, this yeah. is the, this is this is the headquarters. Mm. This is this is Caesar's judgment seat right here. You are the representative of Caesar right here. You are standing in Caesar's place, and this is where your courthouse is. What is the difference if I go up to Jerusalem? Mm. You know, and and he he's, he's just <coughs> excuse me. He's highlighting to Festus that he sees straight through him, and mm. that he understands exactly what the Jews are going to do. Okay, so now he's got two options. He can appeal to Caesar. He can do that because he is a Roman citizen. Yeah. Every citizen of Rome has the right of appeal to be heard by Caesar himself. Yeah, wow. There were very few Roman citizens in the world at this particular time because Rome was a relatively small city, a very powerful city, but it was much smaller than, say, the city of Corinth. Yeah. Uh, and, and unless you came from that city yourself or you had had citizenship bestowed upon you or you had bought citizenship, then you might be an Italian, but that does not make you a Roman. Mm-hmm. Cornelius, the Bible talks about, you know, Cornelius being, you know, a, a, a centurion of the Italian regiment. Mm-hmm. And so he is able to do this. Uh, this is his other option, and by appealing to Caesar, that then means that rather being rather than being sent to Jerusalem, he's going to be sent to Rome. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul has been told in vision, "You're going to Rome." Yeah, he knows that God is going to take him to Rome. He knows that he's going. God has told him in vision, "You are going to be a witness for me in Rome." Mm-hmm. He knows this, so by appealing to Caesar. Uh, he has nothing to fear because he knows that he's going to have opportunity yeah. when he gets there to witness for Christ, and that's all that really matters. You know, he might lose his life there. Eventually, he does lose his life there, but that doesn't matter. What really matters is that he is going to be able to be a witness for Christ. And so, this is like, okay, I've been here for two years. I've been cooling my heels in Caesarea. Uh, my witness is done in this city. I've reached as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. It's time to move on to the next one. I can go to Jerusalem and get killed, or I can go to Rome. Where God has said I'm going to go, and where God has said I'm going to be a witness, so you know what? I'm going to play the Rome card. I'm, yeah. going, to, I'm going to play the Caesar card. And he pulls it out. It's his, it's his trump card. The religious leaders in Jerusalem can do nothing about the fact that he is a Roman citizen and he can appeal to be sent directly to Rome. Mm. Man, it's... Uh yeah, it's amazing. Again, we can just see the tact of Paul, and I guess it really shows like his integrity in this situation. Like it's, um, and also like his his because it's it's kind of genius. He's like, okay, God wants to get me to Rome. I have a way that I can just make up a free ticket to get there. So that's I'm, I'm going to use it. it. It's- that's it. Why not? <laughs> okay, and and of course you'd be pretty bored if you were Paul and you'd been in Caesarea for two years. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, that'd, <laughs> that'd be that's just too, too long. Anyway, we continue on. Um, In verse 12, it says, Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. Okay, so he he gets he he uh, he, he gathers his advisors around. Is like, okay, what can we do here? And no doubt, Festus still wanted to send him to Jerusalem. Yeah, for because sure. Because that would have made him look good. But the long and the short of it is, if he did that, he would certainly look good with the Jewish leaders, and he would gain political favor with the Jewish leaders, mm. but he would lose favor with the Roman leaders. And the ones that he really needed to worry about were the Roman leaders, yep. not the Jewish leaders. 
And when it's like, okay, which one am I, what do I need to please more, Rome or Judea? Uh, well, that's a very easy question to answer. I'm going to please Rome because if he broke this particular law right here, you know, and violated the rights of a Roman citizen, that is not going to go well at all. Mm. That's that that's a um, that's a career destroying move right there. Yeah, I think especially being the like the weight that being a Roman citizen holds, and we've seen Paul. Uh, earlier in the book of Acts, for example, in, in Acts chapter 16, when he's in Philippi, like he, man, like you can, the Roman citizenship carries weight. Like if you're a Roman citizen, like you're a citizen of the city of Rome, it's, uh, like you said, it's a small city. Um, it's it's a place, it's, it's kind of like an exclusive club in oh, a yeah. way. Oh, incredibly it's, exclusive. It's like the exclusive club of the best of the best, you know, and it's like, man, th- that would be like a... You know, to 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 do that sort of thing, that would be like taking a Hollywood celebrity or something, and 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 treating them like that, and it would just blow up in your face. So, yeah, I think what what uh, Festus is doing is quite smart. But we're going to come back to our Bible study right after this song. Oh, soul, are you weary in trouble? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant.
Matt, guys, that was Jaden Levick with Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus here on Faith FM. And we are working our way through the book of Acts. We have an, oh, we have an answer for the quiz. Yeah, we do. We do indeed. So Feli has texted in with an answer. Um, and she answered correctly that the answer is Peter. So congratulations, Feli. I think Feli's from Queensland. So well done. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Good to have some uh, Bible students out there who are on the ball this morning. Yeah. And I'm, ha- I'm happy you got, I'm happy this one got answered. You know, like some of the quizzes we do, it's like, okay, man, if, if no one answers, like if no one gets the right answer, like it's it's okay. This one is like, come on, guys. <laughs> come, come on, let's, let's Prize go. coming your way, Feli. Prize <laughs> coming your way. So well done. Awesome. Um, but we're continuing on with our Bible study. We are indeed. So let's, uh, let's read a couple more verses there real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 25 and 13, A few days later, King Agrippa arrived with his sister, Bernice, to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. There is a prisoner here, uh, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and Jewish elders pressed charges against him and asked me to condemn him. I pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without trial. They must be given an opportunity to confront their accusers and defend themselves. When his accusers came here for the trial, I didn't delay. I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul to be brought in. But the accusations made against him weren't of any crimes that I expected. Instead, it was something about their religion and a dead man named Jesus, who Paul insists is alive. I was at a loss to know how to investigate these things, so I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem. But Paul appealed to have his case decided by the emperor, so I ordered that he be held in custody until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. I'd like to hear the man myself, Agrippa said. And Festus replied, you will, tomorrow. Okay, so there we have Agrippa turning up. So who is this guy named Agrippa? Well, he's obviously a king. Okay. Because he calls him King Agrippa. King Agrippa, yes. So you've got Festus, who is the governor. You've got Herod, who is the king. Sorry, not Herod. Agrippa, who is the king. Mm-hmm. But he is actually Herod. Yeah. Now, here's what's confusing in the Bible. Okay. There's a whole bunch of different Herods. Yeah, wasn't it like the Herodian dynasty? You you read this Bible and Herod did this and Herod did that and Herod did the other. And it sounds like Herod lived for like 100 years and did everything. It was, you know, all the way through. So this is this the the person that we're actually referring to here is Herod Agrippa II. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, his his, uh, sister Berenike. And uh, Herod Agrippa II was the last of the Herodian dynasty. It was started by Herod the Great. Herod the Great is one of the most controversial uh, Judean kings ever to have existed. He was not a Jew. He was kind of part a Jew and part an Edomite. Mm-hmm. But he was the, the Jews considered him to be an Edomite. Yeah. And so because of that, they're like, yeah, no, he had some Jewish blood in him, but he was mostly Edomite. They, they did not, they never accepted him. He wanted to be accepted. And so he was he was a unstoppable builder. Yeah. So it was Herod the Great who decided that he was going to rebuild the temple that was in Jerusalem that had been uh built by Zerubbabel. Mm-hmm. Of course the Jews wouldn't let him touch it. 
They're like, no, you can't rebuild the temple. And she's like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll, what if we renovate it? Can we renovate it? To, you know, because it was you know, many hundreds of years old by this time and it was in desperate need of renovation. Yeah, for sure. And he wanted to earn some brownie points with the Jews. And so they decide to renovate it. And what he does is one of those renovations, you ever seen one of those renovations where they renovate the whole house um, but they only leave one wall standing? Yeah. It's kind of, you know, I was um, a church in Sydney that did this. They had a um, a church that they uh, they needed to doze. They needed to doze this church. Mm. It was it was old and it was terrible. They needed to build a new church. They desperately desperately needed to build it. And of course the council wouldn't let them rebuild the church. You know, doze and rebuild. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Can we renovate it?" And the council like, "Yeah, sure, you can do a renovation." So they um, dozed the church but left one wall standing. And it was a renovation. And then bricked over that one wall so you can't even see it, <laughs> but it's standing there inside a brick wall somewhere. <laughs> you can't see. You've got bricks on both sides of it and built the, built a, uh, a church just as they wanted it to be. Well, he does this kind of renovation so that he actually replaces every single stone in the building. Yeah. So in, in reality, the third temple is the temple that was built by Herod the Great. Mm. Of course, it wasn't finished in his lifetime. Herod, was, Herod the Great was the Herod who was still alive when Jesus was born and ordered the slaughter of every child under the age of two that was in Bethlehem. Now, Herod the Great was, um, he was hated by the Jews. Mm. He was extremely paranoid because of that. This is why he was always building big things, trying to impress them and trying to do nice things for them. But he was a psychopath at the same time. And so he would just, you know, he would just let the, 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 the streets run with blood. Um, he'd be killing people all over the place. When he died, he left orders that on his death, you know, all these you know, hundreds and hundreds of leading Jewish people had to be executed so that there would actually be a funeral where people would mourn. <laughs> because he was afraid, he was so paranoid, he was afraid that when he died, nobody would mourn. And so he left orders like, yeah, it's okay, when I die, all these guys are dying too. That way people will mourn, and as people see other people in mourning, they're going to assume that they are mourning for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of guy Dude, he was. He was trip. seriously, seriously a psycho. Yeah. Um, he was the guy who built... Um, the city of Caesarea that we're talking about yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so he built that. Um, he built great fortresses all over the, um, you know, the, the, some of the, the, the fortresses that he built, just you know, remarkable fortresses. Mm. And he founds this dynasty and it passes on down through. And so then you have, you know, you have another Herod who comes along who um, cuts off the head of John the Baptist. Mm. Um, you know, and so forth. They don't seem to improve a whole lot as you work your way down through all of the various Herods until you come to this guy here, Herod Agrippa II, mm. the last of the Herods. And it's interesting to see what takes place because, um, of course, he travels in. Uh, where, 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 did we, where did we start this section? Uh, in verse 13. In verse 13. Yeah, a few days later, King Agrippa arrived with his sister. I called her Bernice, <laughs> Berenike. Berenike is actually the correct correct pronunciation. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I did look with, look this one up. Uh, came to Caesarea to see Festus. To Obviously, this was a, a congratulation to, you know, congratulations on becoming the new governor, built mm. some political ties. 
Um, you want to form a good alliance right here. So this is a whole political movement that is taking place. And, of course, the big thing that is on Festus's mind is Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul is the big problem that the Jews have handed him. Here's the hot potato that nobody wants to have anything to do with. And so he's like, hey, well, I'm sending him off to Jerusalem. And, uh, and of course, it's interesting how he tries and makes himself sound good to Festus. You know, he's like, yeah. oh, I was going to... I was going to do the right thing by him and I was going to, you know, give him a fair trial and all this, but, you know, he appealed to Caesar, so I'm going to send him to Caesar because that's what the what the law has said. Mm. Anyway, so the whole story of Herod Agrippa II, we're going to get into this in more detail tomorrow. We're going to what we're going to notice here is that God gives everyone an opportunity to serve him. Mm. You know, there's nobody's left out and uh, and as a result of that um, God extends his grace to every person, to Felix, to Festus, to Herod Agrippa. You know, the story just goes on. But right now we need to move on with Crossway. Took it all away. I've been numb from the shock of devastation Left so confused That it paralyzed my prayers That unexpected pain Tore my heart into pieces And just left my faith hanging there But I rose up from the ashes is
Welcome back to Faith FM. We're at a very interesting part of our show. It is our question of the day. And uh, I'm pretty excited about this question, Like, because it's all about food. And um, You would be. You yeah, would yeah. be. And I'm actually, I'm actually quite, uh, um, I don't want to say opinionated, but I'm very vocal about this question because I have heard some absolute ridiculous, Ridiculous answers to this one. <laughs> okay, so the question is coming is, um, what food did Jesus eat while he was on earth? And I, let me tell you, Lyle, like, I love my vegans and I love my vegetarians, but sometimes they take it too far and they want Jesus to have been a vegan and a vegetarian so they can say that we have to follow his example, right? <laughs> but in order to do that, they have to explain a couple of things away. And so I've heard some real corkers like he ate mockfish that was actually made out of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> it was tofu that he ate, not fish. And like, just this, like, okay, just give it to us. Okay, straight. so really simply, it, yes. it works like this. Mm-hmm. The question of the day goes up on our social media the day before we answer it here online because they all come into us. Mon sorts through them all, picks out which ones are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one went up yesterday. And uh, I don't need to answer it because Park Kettle already has. Oh, I love Park Kettle on, yeah, face- yeah, yeah, yeah. on fa- Facebook. Yeah, He's already, He says fruits, grains, nuts, bread, fish, and local produce. That's it. Do you reckon he ate dairy? Of course. Yeah. Like Why wouldn't produce. he? Well, yeah. I mean, hey, the Bible doesn't say, but we would assume so. Mm-hmm. Um, we would assume that he also ate um, other red meat that was uh, clean meat. Mm-hmm. Like lamb and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is something else that is significant for our um, you know people who are taking their veganism a little bit too far, mm-hmm. is that Jesus ate fish... In his resurrected, glorified form. Mm, Ooh, after the resurrection. After the resurrection. Not only that, he caught fish, he cooked fish, and, and he, he ate served it, and it, to fed others. it to his disciples mm-hmm. after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, some people go way, way too far. Now, I'm all for being a vegan. I'm all for being, in fact, I'm more for being on a plant based diet than a vegan uh-huh. because vegan kind of implies a political movement. I don't want to get yeah. political about mm-hmm. this. Mm hmm. So you're a plant-based vegetarian. I'm I'm all for being a plant-based vegetarian. I think that's fantastic. I think that that is what we should all all be aiming for. And, of course, all the scientific research backs that up. Uh Um, And you simply got to just read in Genesis. You know, go go back to Genesis chapter 1. And the original diet that was given to human beings was a plant-based diet. Okay. That was the best one. Nothing has changed. Everybody knows that today. 50 years ago, people would debate you on it. They no longer do. Um... But if Jesus didn't do it, why should we have to do it? You don't have to. There's no command anywhere in the Bible to be a vegetarian. Oh, really? Absolutely. Well, well, now, I've come across churches where they command you, they have a law, you have to be vegetarian. Uh, but there is no command anywhere in the Bible to be a vegetarian. In fact, the Bible describes uh, you know, commanding this as, um, let me see if I can find this in First Timothy chapter 4. <coughs> The Bible talks about some end time errors. And it says, commanding, this is verse 3, commanding to abstain from food, that's what it goes on to say, which God has created to be received. Mm-hmm. So obviously some food, you know, God has not created it to be eaten. Mm-hmm. You know, God has never given human beings permission to eat dead pigs. A long, long time ago, in the time of Noah, yeah. when flesh was first given to humanity as food, that's the very first time that humanity ever received flesh as food, God said, don't eat 
dead pigs, along with you know quite a number of other things that you can find all in Leviticus chapter 11 where it details all the things that God says, don't eat this, don't eat that. It's very simple. Uh, but God never gave permission to de- eat dead pigs. Um, Isaiah chapter 66, the Bible's talking about the second coming. And at the second coming, the Bible still describes you know that God has not given permission to people to eat dead pigs. Mm-hmm. That's very, very clear. Maybe we'll maybe let's let's flick over there and read that very, very quickly. Yeah, I do want to say that you know I think the Bible sums up. But when God, when when, sorry, go on. I want to I want to finish this thought. When people command you to abstain from food that God has given you permission to eat, the Bible calls that a very, very dangerous thing to do and something we should not do. Mm -hmm. In fact, labels it as a doctrine of devils. (laughs) Oh, really? Mm, that's pretty strong language. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that uh, the Bible sums up health as in, in, I like to put it in this catchphrase, do the best you can where you are and Absolutely. when you are and with what you have. And the when is a big part of that because when Jesus was alive, eating fish would have been quite healthy. But now, so these days. Yeah, now it's polluted, we have heavy metals and we have way more options available to us. So we don't yeah. need to be eating fish this to is, get this a comprehensive is Australia. diet. 20% yeah. of Australians self-identify as vegetarians. You're not going to struggle living yeah. on a vegetarian diet That's here right. in Australia. It is the easiest place in the world to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did want to read this verse because uh, some people do question me over it. The Bible says, For the Lord will come with fire with his chariots, with a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. It goes on, it says, Those that sanctify themselves, so that's the second coming, those that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree, eating the swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So, yeah, the health message that God gave to us in Scripture has never changed, has never gone away. There are some things God said, don't eat this. There are some things God said, this is the best to do. And here in Australia, it's pretty easy to do the best. Well, thanks, Lyle. Appreciate that.